Welcome to Espresso Shot. I'm Sarah. Uh, I am the director here at the Annenberg Presidential Conference Center. I have no idea how many years I've been in the industry at this point. I feel like they're all blurred together. Uh, just been doing this a while. That's about all about me. <laughs> and I'm TJ. Uh, I'm an event manager here at the Annenberg Presidential Conference Center. Um, I've been event managing for three and a half years. Don't know. Something bro. like that. Um, but have been in the event industry for a long time. Espresso Shot is a podcast about the staff, faculty, and students of the Bush School of Government and Public Service. The recordings take place in our studio here at the Annenberg Presidential Conference Center, the Allen Building, or the comfort of the guest's office. Each episode, we will inform you of the individual's unique qualities, contributions they bring to the college, their work and or experience throughout their time here. Welcome back to Espresso Shot. <laughs> Today, we are joined by Matt Upton. <laughs> um, Matt's professional life is focused on connecting people from all backgrounds for the purpose of enhancing the lives of all. Supervisor and practitioner of career, student and alumni services, and diversity climate enhancement initiatives across these areas with over 20 years experience. He manages recruiting and admissions, talent acquisition, new student orientation, career, student, and alumni services, <laughs> talent development management for a graduate school of public and international affairs. The Bush School government. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just you did just pa- copy and paste it. I just it. copy and paste it. So don't look at me. Look at him. I mean, I sent it to him to verify. <laughs> Matt collaborates with students, staff, and faculty to enhance the organizational climate and to promote diversity and inclusion through these efforts. Human resource development, professional and graduate instructor with teaching experience in career development, learning and development, organizational change, and strategic planning. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to need to. That's a run on sentence. (laughs) Uh, His specialties include executive coaching. He's an International Coaching Federation Associate Certified Coach, uh, Career and Talent Development, Resume Writing, Networking, Goal Setting, Interviewing, Salary and Job Negotiation. I need that class. Yep, so do <laughs> Graduate Student Services, including Diversity and Climate Enhancement Initiatives, Recruiting Admissions, Leadership Development, Student Advising, Organizational Change. Holy cow, welcome. Thanks. <laughs> So you said earlier that I was a, that I collaborated with people, but clearly I didn't collaborate with Sarah <laughs> to write a better bio. So I apologize. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> I could have easily read. I mean, I read it, but I could have she easily could have picked up on sentences. that. Okay. I think, yeah, I think part of it was like, you know, when you go to LinkedIn, it tells where you work. So it's probably like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the assumption there, of course, and I didn't double check, but I mean. You know, we're talking about the Bush School, so I hope people have common sense to put two and two together. You can't make that I assumption. Know, I know. Um, can't I assume. Know. I know. Fine. Sorry. Okay. So amongst all of this, what's your actual position? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my actual position is I work with the team of people at the Bush School who recruit graduate students into our Master of International Affairs, Master of Public Service and Administration. 
programs, a little bit Master of International Policy, um, a little bit less Executive Master of Public Service and Administration students. Um, and then we try to help students take what they're learning, apply it to real world situations like internships and volunteer experiences, et cetera, and then get them out of here, hopefully <laughs> in an employed status. Give them the boot real quick. Yeah. So we'll short two get, years. But we're going to reach back out to them, but that's why we want them to be successful on the back end of it. So so that, that kind of gives a quick overview of what yeah. all I do. Hmm. Really? Well, I had a question, okay. but then it left my head. Brain. Oh, well. Whatever. Yeah. That's it's a blonde new. moment. Sorry. That's not new. Yeah, I know. So what? We already know how long he's worked here. Do you want to say it for him? No. <laughs> you already <laughs> forgot. How long you worked here? So I've worked at the Bush School specifically since um, September of 2003. So 18, almost 19 years. And then before that, I worked at the Career Center on main campus here at Texas A&M okay. for about two and a half years. And then started a couple of years before that in human resources. So I say, has this always been your... Work? No, like, so when I when I started out, my undergraduate degree is in biomedical science from A&M. Dang. Yeah. I was going to go the medical route. And uh, I always tell students, always have a backup plan because I was on the alternate list um, down at UTMB's uh, physician assistant program. And I was told that they normally bring up seven or eight people from the wait list. So I went and worked at a camp that summer. I was number five on the list and they pulled up four that summer. So plans changed midsummer, and I went, I don't really know what I'm going to do. So, but I'd been really involved as a student leader here at A&M and I love working with college students and being in that environment. So I thought, well, I'll get a master's degree in higher ed administration. Um, and then maybe still, and then at the time the thought was I'd still go into, into PA school, become a physician assistant, and then maybe work in an allied health school down the road, kind of maybe doing some of this stuff that I'm doing now. Um, but then things changed and met my wife and decided that that wasn't the route to go at the time. So worked in human resources, really kind of just fell into that job because I applied for a job to work in the medical field and ended up working in a, in a company in their HR office and then was laid off from that job. And then that led me back to A&M. My wife's family is, her dad was in the Air Force, so she's ready to move in she always jokes, says, give me 24 hours. I can be ready to move anywhere. <laughs> I, on the other hand, have That's lived awesome. in Texas my whole life. So we've talked a lot about, would you would you be willing to move? And I've always been willing to move at that time. So this was like 2000, uh, the year 2000. We had just gone through Y2K. The world didn't stop. So that was good. <laughs> that was so um, and then we started applying for jobs after I'd been laid off and got a job offer here at AM. So it was kind of, this was what we thought would be our 15 year dream. Like 15 years from now, when our kids are a little bit older, we'll move back to Aggieland and live and work there. And we moved back here right then. So moved back here in the, in the fall of 2000 and have been here ever since. So. Wow. That's what brought us, brought us back to Aggieland. HR. Yeah. A lot of doors closing, but mm -hmm. you know, yep. Something's closed. Yep, exactly. And I wouldn't have, I, I couldn't have planned the career path the way that it's happened. Mm -hmm. um, there were some parts of it that I knew I wanted to be a part of, but um, I would have, I just wouldn't have guessed that it would end up. I knew about the Bush School opening in 97. You know, I was here still in town, but I knew that I was about to leave probably um, and move away. 
And so I knew about it, but I just wouldn't have ever dreamed that this would be where I would end up and really build my career here. So it's fun. So, yeah. I mean, it kind of answers the next question of what was your draw to the Bush school? Like happenstance? Yeah, yeah kind <laughs> of. Yeah. So it was, I, I was working in the career center and uh, I loved what I did working with students. I was working with engineering students. I knew nothing about engineering. I just could tell people, Talk about how do you translate what you're doing in the classroom into a resume. And I learned all of that from that previous experience in HR. And then through some training that the Career Center gave me. Um, and so started doing that and realized pretty quickly the Career Center at AM is big. Mm-hmm. And so I realized pretty quickly there's not going to be a lot of promotion opportunities here. It's not because they don't want to promote their people. It's just, it was big. And so there are a lot of people vying for very few spots in leadership there. And I saw this position, the career services position come open out of the Bush school that summer of 03. Um, and so I applied for it, actually applied with a coworker from the career center. We both interviewed for it and then Thankfully, she pulled out of the job because she probably would have gotten the job. Um, She just had more years of experience. She had worked with graduate students for a long period of time. And so I came over to the Bush School uh, that fall. I just remember the dean at the time was Dean Chilcote, Dick Chilcote. And uh, he basically went into the interview and he said, I just need to know how long you'll stay. He said, because we've had a person in this job. It, this career services job has changed every year for the last three years, and I need some stability. And I said, well, I just started my doctorate, so you got me for at least three years, probably four or more, um, but I can guarantee you three. And he was like, good enough for me. So I was like, great. So, And fast forward, how many years later now? Yeah, ni- almost <laughs> 19. Yeah. Yeah, I think that and the fact that I, at the time, uh, I think giving him three years. And then I also, he asked, how would you go about providing career services? And I said, well, I I envisioned that I would have a silver platter on my desk. And anytime a student would come in, I would tell them, you see that there are business cards, maybe candy on the silver platter, and you're more than welcome to take any of those. But I do not have a job on a silver platter for you. And apparently that impressed him at the time. Um, So that was one of the things I think those were the two keys to me getting the job here to come do career services. And I've been here ever since. I do too. He's out with my kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've not said that exact thing, but I've been pretty close. Yeah. So I actually still That's... have a silver platter on my round table in my yeah. office. And there are a few people now, more people will know that story. When you see the silver platter, you'll know why it's on my desk. So huh, I like that. Yeah. Well, and I also think it speaks a lot to the generation now because everyone always assumes that they, you know, um, things should be given to them. But yeah. So. Um, sorry to the the up and coming generation who will run the world soon. It's okay. I'll put you in a nursing home soon. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine with me. Just isolate myself all over again. Yes. It's too funny. My kids will come visit. Maybe. The older one will. The little one would. He can't survive without me. He just likes to push my buttons because he knows he can't. Whatever. Anyway, tree branch. You started it. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. So of all the things that you do with your job, mm-hmm. with your career, what's your favorite? Like, is there any one particular thing that you would consider your favorite? Yeah, most definitely um, connecting people. I love, I actually did it for a presentation years ago. I haven't done it again. 
that the idea, and I was actually in a conversation with someone yesterday about this, you know, we use the word networking a lot in the career services space. And I love what he said to me. He said, I actually don't like to use the word networking. I like to use the word connecting because I think there are a couple of things inherent in that. As humans, we all want to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to, even if we think we do at times, nobody wants to live in complete isolation. We want to feel like we're part of something bigger um, than ourselves and our own desires. And so I love the component of my job that allows me to connect people with other people. That's why it's in my bio at the beginning is just, I think that's the key to what I do. I mean, if, if somebody comes to me and says, I really want to work in this space, well, I can probably give them some decent advice on how to make their resume look okay, but I can't give them the details of what that job is really like. I can't tell them the day in, day out work that's going to go into what they're going to do and the frustration points mm -hmm. and the excitement that's going to come as part of that job. And so if I can, if I had someone come in and say to me, I really want to be involved in event planning, well, then if I could connect them to you two or other people on your staff and say, okay, talk to Sarah and TJ about what it's really like to plan events, right? Because you, they may still go, this is exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But having that conversation accomplishes two things. It helps people feel connected and it helps people feel like they're not alone in the right. process. Because let's face it, the job search process can be very lonely and intimidating. Awful. And so I, I love, I was actually, because we're coming up on our 25th anniversary at the Bush School, I was working with communications last week to look through our list of alumni to think about some people that we could feature. And I looked through this amazing list of our former students and was able to go, oh, I remember connecting her to him or him to her or her and her together. And that was a lot of fun to do that. I, I think I was saying this earlier that I built a presentation one time that showed a map, a networking map of people that we had connected. And it was this really cool experience where we had one student who did an internship in emergency management. And this was probably right before Hurricane Ike or Rita down in the Houston area. So they had gone and done this amazing internship because the hurricane had come through and they really had an amazing experience and got to do a lot of really cool stuff. And then the next summer, we put one of our current students in touch with her and she helped him get the internship. And then she moved over to another job. And then a year later, she helped somebody else get a job and get into that field. Mm -hmm. And then someone else came along two years later and we connected them to the person that she connected that second year. And so then you look at, and then it ultimately went back to her and you could see how she then was able to help somebody else three years later. Mm -hmm. So just a single point of contact helped like five different students land in their career field. And all of those people are still working in that career field now. So th that's the favorite part of my job is knowing that I had a role even if it's just um, kind of the old idea of matchmaking, you know, it's like, and like I'm just, I was a little bit of a matchmaker to help somebody connect with someone else. And I think that's the, the best part of my job because it's not just about what I did, but it's about helping other people find each other as well and help each other in those, those ways. So Bush school connecting spider web. That's right. Well, I like the idea of connecting because it feels more sincere and genuine. Right. Networking to me always has such a negative, like you have right. to be a certain way and it's right. a business thing. And it's just, I don't know, to me, every time I hear the word networking, it's like, okay, what used car salesman do I have to go talk to today? Right. <laughs> I, I just, Shady. that's, yeah, it is what it feels like. It's like you're always on, but when you right. actually make something like you're saying, like a connection, it feels more genuine. You actually get to know the person. They genuinely yeah. have an interest in what they're trying to do. Yeah. 
And I, I love that. I think that's great. We should start telling our students that stop networking, go connect with people. Yeah. Although most of them are a lot better about it anyway, in general, the students we have now, mm-hmm. or it's a lot of our former students too, but, um, you know, I, I think mean, that's well, what you take Caleb. Yes. Like he's a prime example. Yeah, that's true. He connected with somebody at one of the events. Oh, to get the job over at. You're talking about to get his application oh, yeah, in the maze. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that is right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Absolutely, connecting uh, is, and, and like you said, Sarah, it's it's connecting is so much more about. Uh, there's a reason for it, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't just feel utilitarian, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. It doesn't feel like what can you do for me, right? Um, and so that's why. When we connect students and we tell students, I, I can do a career workshop and our staff can teach you how to write a resume or a LinkedIn profile. But really the the magic is, I heard somebody say that last week, the magic in what we do is when a student comes in and says, here's what I really want to do. Here are the constraints I have. You know, I've got a family or I've got a child or I'm married or my spouse or my partner's in the military and I can't go to all of these places, but then I can go, okay, well, who do we know that can help you out in that? And you could come in with a really broad idea of what you wanted to do or a very specific idea of what you want to do. And we've got enough former students and I've been doing this long enough now that we can say, okay, here's at least one person, but usually we can find them. And our goal is always to help them find at least one former student and one current student who maybe just did an internship in that area that they're interested in doing something in. And so that way we can help them. But I was having this conversation with, with an HR professional executive recruiter a couple of weeks ago. And she said, you know, just remember when you're talking to your students, it takes 80 to 120 connections to find the connection that's going to get you into your right spot. And so we've got to quit thinking of networking as a job search thing. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we change the way that we talk about it, we talk about it as connecting, we're always connecting with people. And so then when the time is right for you to do that job search, then you've already built uh, a web of connections. So we're going to completely change the lingo for this starting right here. I want to, yeah, I do too. Well, it feels very, I mean, even sitting here listening to you, I mean, like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking back to like even our event internship and just the students that we have and um, you know, there's been a couple students we've hired that didn't realize they knew each other, like yeah. didn't know who they were coming in. And then it's like, oh, well, we've actually hung out and done all and didn't realize either one were, you know, applying. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like former, former student employees that we've had, um, just being able to get them in touch with other people in our industry when they actually find an interest in this or helping students. Like right now we have a current student who really wanted to go to law school. And then all of a sudden, like what a month and a half ago, she changed her mind and applied to the HR program at Mays. I mean, and it was like three months. Okay, three months. I don't remember how long. Time just kind of blurs at this point. It's fine. Yeah, it's post COVID. It's still happening. Um, I think it will continue to happen. Yeah. for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> but that's one of the things that we always tell. Like when you were talking about, um, you know, the work environment. That's something that we always tell our students when they work with us. Like this is abnormal. The culture we have here Absolutely. in our our department is very abnormal. Do not expect this from any other job. So we're not saying go in with, you know, a negative mindset that it's not going to, you can always make it, you know, something positive for yourself. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, um, we try, I mean, we try to get our students involved, even in things that we do outside of here. Um, you know, our marketing intern, she's been gung ho about doing anything outside of here that gets her some experience. Um, but they're all that way. And I, and I like that they're all that way because not only, 
um, like TJ is their supervisor. And so TJ takes a very invested interest in them personally, which right. then also allows them to open up more. So then there is that connection of the right. genuine connection. So then they're willing to be more forward about what they want, what they need, or how we can help them in other ways. So, um, but I also love human resources. It's like in as much as I say, I don't like people. <laughs> um, I actually do very much like when you can give people opportunities to grow yeah. and help them out when maybe they don't know, like you were saying, when they're feeling lost or you feel alone and being able to help with that. Absolutely. Sorry, I just rambled on. Usually you talk more than me. You're sitting there all Well, quiet. I was like listening. I was like, oh, look at her go. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm very, but like, that's why I always. It's something that you're passionate about. Is, so but that's fine. And you're, and you're good at it. Like she's oh, good God. at going, you know, Jamie's really good at marketing. So she needs to like me. I couldn't do marketing. Right. That's not, that's not my thing. That's not my jam. Me, stu- I'm a, I'm, I'm a people person. Yeah. So like, let me put you under my so- chicken wing here. So I think you would actually probably would be a good marketing <laughs> yes. person because you are. You So actually marketing is one of those things. If I could go back in time, I would learn marketing because I think it's fascinating how we, because I think effective marketing for me is relationally built. If someone says to me, hey, here's a product that I use. Like I brought in these yeah. low carb cookies today, They're right? Really good. They're really good. I'm going to have to go and We're get to write them. Exactly. Like, Maybe they'll sponsor your podcast <laughs> next time. You know? But I, I brought them in because we've had conversations yeah. at staff events mm-hmm. about low carb, sugar-free yeah. desserts. Yeah. And I meant to make you something, but then kids had track practice last night. So <laughs> okay, then I was like, totally okay. we're going to bring <laughs> pre-made cookies and they're still just as good. They but, are. They're delicious. So anyway, that's a little side tangent about marketing. So yeah, but it's like the marketing, just it. like, because everything's like social media now. Like, right. yes, if marketing was like back in the day where you got to go like hit the streets and go knock on people's doors. You'd be great. Totally do it. <laughs> yeah. But, which is what's going to happen in a few weeks when people don't start volunteering to be on our podcast. We're just going to go door to door. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. That's we good. did that first thing going to Mayo that one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your poor staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, what are yeah. these people doing to yeah, me? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, they. Were, they played along. Yes, they did. They were great. They put on all the junk TJ brought. We looked, took their picture, posted on. So yeah, they were great. That's um, awesome. uh, but yes, I, I do think the part of marketing that you don't like is more of the analytical stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the back end of things. Yeah, that, don't do that. yeah you don't want to do that. <laughs> do that. We, I mean, it's hard enough when we switch to different softwares that we have to relearn this all up. So that's not your strength, but it's things that she enjoys <laughs> yes, because she's good. a process person and she yes. likes all of that. And you're very good at knowing the strengths of people. It takes me some time. Yeah. Depends on where my mindset is. Yeah. No, this is what I want you to be good at. You need to go be good at it. Yeah, no. It's fine. But yes. No, I do. You're right. I'm very passionate about it. I love human resources. It is like I said, as much as I say I don't like people. She's geeking out right I just now. I am. Okay. I don't I don't like I don't like stupid people. <laughs> but I do like people in general. Okay. They're not stupid. That's terrible to say. Um people I have a hard time having a conversation with. When I'm like your facial expressions. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I have a sign on my wall. And after listening to the diversity thing yesterday, I was like, I probably should take that down. You can't. I yeah, well, you can. You can't. All right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so you were working on 25th anniversary stuff. Yep. What else have you been working on? So uh some of the other things we're working on right now are 
all of the big transition with undergraduate students coming in, mm-hmm. political science. I was a part of that at the beginning. I don't know how involved I'll be in that moving forward. That has not been made clear yet. But I was working with the advisors, undergraduate advisors in the two programs that are coming in, trying to think about what kind of staffing needs we have and some things like that. So it does, you know, it does impact my staff because my staff are wondering, am I now serving undergraduate students? Am Mm -hmm. I just going to work with graduate students? How does that change? You know, the career services at A&M's got a pretty clear delineation between graduate student career services and undergraduate. So the Career Center on Main Campus will continue to work with all those, but having some of those conversations. So that's kind of the day-to-day stuff. But I think that the exciting thing that we're working on now is, um, and it's been a part of what we've been talking about as a staff over the last couple of days, is how do we improve We're thinking about it in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion training, but I think of it a little bit more broadly in just staff development. Um, How do we provide staff development that, yes, baselines some conversations? You know, DEI, you want to have a baseline within your organization about how we have effective conversations, how we resolve conflict, how we deal with uh, things that we don't agree with, but also how you can individualize it. So you go... Um, You know, we've got some staff members who are like, okay, I'm really interested in DEI or I'm really interested in communications or marketing or something like that. But marketing is not my full time job. How can I get some additional training in that? So I'm always trying to think about how to do that. So I'm I'm starting the process of exploring some um, some learning platforms that might allow us to do that effectively. There's one I found out about last week. Is actually called a learning experience platform. So it's not it's not just a class. It's not like you go to LinkedIn and take a LinkedIn mm-hmm. course or a Coursera course. You can put those in there, but it's also just your you as a manager could come in. You would uh, you as an individual. I'll start with the individual. You as an individual would determine. Hey, here are the skills, abilities, knowledge areas that I want to learn more about. Your manager could also go in and put those, put more information in there, and then you can drop information in there. So you can drop TED Talks and LinkedIn learning courses and Coursera courses and an article you find and, you know, something that comes from a professional association. So it's a a way to kind of throw all that in there. I can say, hey, TJ, here's some stuff that we've talked about that you're interested in. I'm going to send it to you um, so you can find it. So trying to figure out ways that we can do that more effectively so Mm -hmm. that because it is good to provide some generalized training for things that we, you know, I mean, FERPA is always going to be something we talk about in higher education. But if you've been through FERPA training, you know, twice in the last three years, unless some major rule has changed, you probably don't need to go through it every single year. So what kind of, what kind of development do you want to do or what kind of training would, would help with that? So that's the thing that I think I'm excited about right now that we're trying to, to figure out what that looks like. I think that so, would be great because... <laughs> I feel sorry for them because when they start talking about things and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I saw this the other day. Yeah. It's like, here's a text message. Here's another text message. Here's an <laughs> right. email. Like I bombard them in several different ways right. with things that I have found. Yeah. Um, but yes, it would be nice to have everything collectively come yeah. together. So it's just like, here, go, go to this and right. you can go find all of it. And training boards. Yeah. That right. information on. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Same kind of idea. Yeah. You know, so. Look. 
I'm a, I'm an instant. I'm thinking about <laughs> She's it. Thinking about it. Then. And so I'm just gonna send <laughs> it to you because it. then I'm gonna forget yeah. it. It's like what I did with Holly last night. I text Holly last night when I finished watching that Abercrombie and Fitch documentary <laughs> that she mentioned on Facebook. I last sent night. it to her, and she goes, "You're not you're not the first person that's told me this." She's like, "I guess I have to watch it." I was like, after listening yesterday morning, and we're talking de and I, I was like, everyone should watch this. Yeah. It is insane. I never fit in any of their clothes. I don't have any problem. I didn't either. Well, it was a combination of not really fitting and not being able to afford. I mean, I've been in those stores and, you know, to me, it feels like now thinking about it, it's the way you walk in so dark, the music and all the smells. I feel like I'm walking into a rainforest cafe. Like it all feels, you know, an experience. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Um, But watching the documentary, yes, all that stuff. I mean, that would be nice to, because we talk about documentaries often. Right. I watch a lot of them and I'm like, y'all see this, you should see this one, yep. the one about, um, you know, any of these events that we're seeing, yeah. like the one they had about. Um, the Wolfgang Puck. That Wolfgang Puck one was awesome. Yeah, because it was a great combo between catering and actual event venues. Um, but, you know, things that happen that come out in the news, like the stuff that happened in Houston with uh, Travis Scott right. and all that stuff. So, Yes, I see those things and I'm like, yeah. I'm going to forget. I need to send this. But eventually, like, um, you know, a few weeks later, I'll remember and be like, oh, I need to still send them some of this. Or yeah. like when we're getting prepared for our podcast, yep. Jamie's like, did you send the links? And then TJ would get on me. Where are the links for this? I'm like, I don't know. I'll go back and look. Yeah, like, like, I didn't do any research. You did all of the research for this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sent you an email. I sent a document. Just go back to the last email. I can't find it. Dang it. I don't know where he sent it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't send it. <laughs> didn't send it. I just <laughs> talked about it. Yeah. Printed it out and handed it to you. Yes. So those kinds of things. Um, I think that's great because I think that there's not enough people who focus on professional development overall. Um, so putting that at a forefront of what you're working on is great. Yeah. I think that's a challenge, you know, I mean, even, even the staff that work directly with me, um, in the leadership development, career services, recruiting and admissions, even before COVID, obviously COVID has made it more difficult, but I try to push that all the time. Like what's something that you could do that might be on the the edge of what would be really beneficial to your job, but that you'd find interesting mm-hmm. because the other part of that for me is that then that creates some job satisfaction mm-hmm. because they feel like you're investing in them. They, they don't just feel that they know you're investing in them. And so, you know, I had that opportunity that you mentioned the uh, associate certified coach thing that I went through. I went through a training for that over a six month period. But if I hadn't had a supportive supervisor who said, yeah, you can do that and use that for your professional development, then I would have never finished that. And so and I wouldn't be doing something that I really enjoy when I get to do that. You know, And I think it's enhanced what I do with students because mm-hmm. I think about asking them. Coaching is all about asking good questions. And so it makes me think about approaching in the past. I would have gone to a student and said, OK, what do you want to do? Can okay, I let me tell you how to do it? And now instead I go in and I say, okay, what do you want to do? And why do you want to do that? And what are you doing in order to get there? And how can we support you to help you get more experiences? I want to do the same thing with staff members. And and, and we were talking about this earlier this week um, about the reality that staff do a lot of really great work at universities at Texas A&M and other universities, but people don't always think about either individually or their supervisors don't always think about development for their staff. And so if we can find ways to support that in a way, and I've been in environments that do support it. And I've had others who are like, you can't submit a conference proposal without the the big person's approval. And I'm like, why? 
if, if I present a proposal and it gets accepted, I just made your organization look good. Why yeah. would you prevent me from going <laughs> Absolutely. and making, well, it was a control issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that, like, don't treat people like that. Like, let them go out and do some things that are maybe outside of their comfort zone mm-hmm. that would help them grow and expand who they are and what they do. So does this feel like a repeat conversation? Is that why you're looking at me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I tell them. I tell her this stuff all the time. No, no, Uh other way around. Other way around. Good. So see, she and I think a lot. Yes, we do. I'm very. I've read a lot of coaching books. I love coaching. Likes putting people in uncomfortable situations. They learn. They grow. Yes, I do it to myself too. Every day. It to me because like very little makes me uncomfortable. That's a lie. Public speech. That's about it. Except for when you get up at the podium and we're like, no coffee, please take your coffee out of the auditorium. Like, none of us have ever done that. This is just, this is a public service announcement. (laughs) It's not not public speaking. We were like, what else was I supposed to say at the podium? I was doing mic check. You say mic check and then you walk up to the gentleman and you're like, sir, I'm going to need you to take your coffee out. Because it made a scene when you did that. It didn't make a scene. He made a scene. He made a scene. Yes. That was very funny. That was very funny. But (sighs) yes, I am. I'm I'm with you, Matt. I'm very big on, you know, what do they want to do? What's going to help them? Which is part of the reason why she's doing these vendor showcases or even the fact that we have lactation rooms. These were her ideas. And I'm like, roll with it. Absolutely. You just tell me how much you need and we'll see what we can do financially. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not opposed to any of it. I don't have to have the ideas. I don't need I'm them. A, I'm a very good um, You're not a sales recycler, person. though. Yes. So, like, you know, I don't really spend a lot of money with my projects. My, yeah, look at Michael. It's not Michael's Michael. fault. <laughs> yeah, it's not Michael's fault. You know, audiovisual know. equipment is just expensive, expensive in general. It's yeah. cheap, right. Yes, but that's wonderful. I, I, Yeah. And I would, I would just hope that more supervisors would do that, but unfortunately there's not. You know, um, in well, the university, I mean, I may get in trouble for saying this sometime. I don't know who would get on to me, but I, I don't think that A&M does a really great job of they've got great programs. I know the people over in organization development in HR have a really cool program over there, but very few staff know about it mm-hmm. or know how to get involved in it. So it's not a it's not that the university doesn't have resources. It's that supervisors don't know about those resources and no one's communicating that to the supervisors. So to have that information, unless you've got someone like you who says, this is really important to me or someone like me who, I mean, I, I studied it in my doctoral program. I've been around it. I've had good managers. I've had bad managers too, who I learned from um, a father-in-law who I thought was a really good manager. I never worked for him, but I heard him talk about how he in- mm-hmm. engaged with his employees. And I learned a lot from him. My dad is a principal. You know, you just kind of pick up on those pieces throughout your your life and your career. But if nobody's telling you where to find those resources or you've never had someone who's modeled that for you as a supervisor, it's really difficult to know where to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is one thing that universities in general, and I hear that when I talk to other colleagues across universities, they can do a better job of maybe training supervisors to yes. know how to support people. Because I don't think it's that supervisors have ill intent towards their employees. They don't want to have to go through the hiring process either. Because you know, it's not easy. It's no, not easy. It's at, at so university. not easy here. Right. It's exactly. terrible. Oh, we have a vacant position? Okay, we'll fill that next year. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> how long it takes to get approved. Yeah. No, and I agree with you because when, um, it's the EOD, right? Mm-hmm. When they reorganized and started redoing their programming, there was nothing really that came out to tell you what the new programs were. Right. And a lot of times I was sending staff to those 
some of them were applicable, some of them were not. And I'm like, these really aren't that great. But when they talked about revamping, I was like, this is going to be awesome. Like this is going to be a lot more what we need. Um, but even I still am trying to find good ones for them to do, but I find a lot more professional development outside of the university that works better for them. Mm -hmm. Um, not that the university doesn't offer good programs, but I think a lot of them gear more towards, um, like you were saying, they don't have supervisory level one. So it's a little more entry level type positions and it would be nice. Um, you know, if you want to change how we're doing professional or performance evaluations and you want to have certain types of goals for, then you should have training for supervisors who do these evaluations and, you know, teach them how to actually get them to those goals or how to even work on trying to come up with those goals. Right. You know, we shouldn't be doing all the work for them to tell them, okay, well, I mean, granted when it's a new employee and you're onboarding someone, that's totally different. Different. Yeah. But once they get a point where they're comfortable in their job, then it's on their, what they want to learn. So I think there definitely is a lot of room for improvement with all of that. I think anywhere really, but Mm -hmm. yes, I've, I've definitely struggled with that over the years with A&M. And I think you and I've talked about it because I've always told you to look on their website and she does, and she just can't ever find anything that's, it's really applicable to what she wants to do. Right. And it would be nice if they did them almost like seasonal, mm-hmm. you know, or every year change it up a little bit. Yeah. Like on a committee. Ugh, I've been on so <laughs> many committees. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I don't want to be on any more committees. I'm on enough committees. Plus I'm a podcast personality. So I have, don't have a lot of time. Talent. Talent. So much. <laughs> so busy. Like my 17 year old mm-hmm. who tells me how busy he is all the time. And yet he's got plenty of time to watch YouTube videos. Right. Well. So it's like. Tells me the same thing all the time. I'm like, please, for the love of everything, get rid of TikTok. How many times do you, how many hours do you waste just staring at that all stuff? Of them. Yes. Yeah, a lot. I'll get like five or six links back to back in like, you know, a 30, 40 minute period. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm at work. I'm like, well, you're not actually working if this is what you're doing because everything you do requires like your entire body to function right. the, the tractor or the spray. I mean, just, yep. yeah, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're on coffee break. Heck if I know. <laughs> But I don't work because we worked from home during COVID. Oh, so yeah, I don't yeah. work. Okay. I got a lot accomplished during COVID. We all did. Yeah. We did a ton of professional development. That's why wow. when we we're all doing our valuations this year, I was like, this is really bad compared to like the year before when we all had, I mean, how many webinars did you do during COVID? Like, uh, it was like 150 yeah. or something. Oh my goodness. I was doing basically one, one or one two every day. Week. Yeah. I mean, she had plenty to do on top of that, but but she, yeah. So when she said that I could like listen to, I was like, okay, like I'm not actively answering emails or doing things like I can watch a webinar and do the laundry. Like, so we were keeping track of everyone's goals board. And these were the things that I was having them put in. And when I went to look at hers, just to double check a few things based on, because she gave me, I had them do a one pager and she gave me her one pager evaluation. And at the bottom, it had a breakdown of performance uh, or uh, professional development at this many webinars, this many like in class. This, and I'm just like the first list. I actually listed them out. Oh, I told her absolutely not. Just like, put a no. number. Just tell me. <laughs> just tell me the number. I don't need to know all of the names. I can go look at the board for that. Like, I don't need. Yeah. yeah well, I was and like, all those platforms I was using took away like the free webinars. Yeah. Right. After everybody started going back to work. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed some I of like those. These, like, yeah. 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 It was a lot. <laughs> I mean, they all were. But I was like, when I got TJ's, I was like, oh, my word. Yeah. So she saw mine this year and she was like. Yeah. I told, oh. her, I was like, I'm, I told her, I was like, I need you to try. Again. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah yeah so we go back to your one page or try again well then, yeah. then we're meeting in a couple of weeks so you know yeah and then i didn't <laughs> it's fine it'll all come up in conversation i'm sure but yes it's yeah. it's a lot but yeah i mean it's it is unfortunate that there's not more avenues and right. you know you really have to really go find the information to really get what you're looking for yep. so do you have a direction that you would hope to see the bush school go in in the future direction that's a great question um i think that i'm interested to see how we integrate undergraduates into what i think is a really strong ethos maybe maybe i'm just using that word because i've always wanted to use that word i don't know um you know this idea that public service is a noble calling how do we how do we help undergraduate students capture that idea and really kind of carry that out in whatever they choose to do afterwards whether it's continue their education or do something um, in the public sector or in the private sector I mean, look I'm a career guy at the end of the day I want students to find jobs when they graduate I'm not you'll have some faculty who will tell and I've over the years, I've had I've heard many fun, interesting stories. You know, I mean, I had a student one summer who this was right after I don't even know what their name is now, but Philip Morris after the big tobacco settlement mm-hmm. lawsuit settlement, she the student was going to go do an intern in their public affairs division or government relations or something like that, and a faculty member said, "Well, if you want to prostitute yourself to the private sector, you can do that," and we're saying we're like. Like it's a job and it's working to improve how a company interfaces with the public. How is that not public service? How is that not something that benefits people, which is what I think we're about here? And this was in the early years. This was like in the 2004, 2005. I'm assuming this faculty member is not here anymore. Um, I actually don't know. Can't, can't say. <laughs> but I cannot, can't say. I cannot confirm or deny, deny. <laughs> whether or not that person is here. I mean, but, I like the phrasing, but man, yeah, that's like. Yeah. But now, so if a student comes to us in career services and they say, you know, I want to work in the private sector, we're like, okay, we'll help you with that. Okay. Like, where do you want to go? Because the reality is, and I actually had one of our early former students who I've never actually met in person. I've just talked to him on the phone. He called me one time and he worked for a federal agency here in Texas. And he called and he said, look, my job is in the public sector. But what I really think of when I think of public service is I'm a volunteer firefighter in my community. Mm-hmm. That's how I mm-hmm. serve my community. That's what I think of as public se- public service. And so I want, I hope that the direction we go in is that we think of public sec- public service a little more broadly right. because our undergraduates are not all going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had historically 75% of our students when they graduate, go into the public sector. I mean, it's, you don't hear that even at other graduate programs in public international affairs. Some you do, but not many. And so I hope that the direction we go in is that we understand that serving people and serving the greater good, if whatever that is, um, is something that we continue to, to push and encourage people to do. Because um, it's happening in all kinds of places, you know. The business school is teaching those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. How do you help nonprofits be successful? How do you create businesses that create jobs? And that's entrepreneurship is what they would call it. But, you know, if you do it in different spaces, like you, it's still public service. It's helping mm-hmm. people find jobs. If it's about, um, you know, wage equity, it's about gender equity, it's about any of those types of things. Okay, those you might do those things in the 
you might go to law school in order to support those types of things, but that's still public service. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the direction I'd like to see the school go in. I think it will. I think that it'll there'll be some bumps along the way to kind of figure out what that looks like. And I think different people will view it differently, but I'm always going to look at it from a career services standpoint, which is our job is to help students as they navigate that career process, wherever they want to go. And it's the same reason I had a silver platter, right? Because I also tell students, if you come into me and I give you a job, that old idea in career services, a lot of career centers used to be called placement centers. I hate that term because I don't place students in jobs. I don't place students in internships. And the reality is they don't want me to, because if I place them in a job and then they didn't like it, well, then whose responsibility is that? Mm -hmm. Well, it was my responsibility because I didn't put you in the right place effectively. But if I teach you how to get into the right places, even if you get into someplace that doesn't end up being ideal for you, well, you've got the skills to navigate out of that and move on to the next thing. And so that's that's really where I'd like to go. Is And, and we want to find ways to support our, our students, even when they're done with the Bush School. So it'll be interesting to see how we do that in the future, you know, with undergraduate students. How do we support them effectively? How do we partner with their academic departments to do that? Um, but yeah. So those are, that's the direction I'd like to see us go in is just continue to push this idea. Public service is still a noble calling, but public service can mean a lot of different yeah. things. Right. It doesn't just mean who you get your paycheck from. Right. Change in all kinds of definitions today. That's, that's what right. I was actually thinking a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. But I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's hard when you are being educated by faculty members, practitioners, they've already had their experiences and they're trying to push you in an avenue that they think that you should be, not just you specifically, but all of you should be in. But the world around them is constantly changing and things are always evolving. So, I mean, it's good for students, even all of us, to have different experiences in the work environment because everyone's going to hit some job that's going to end up being not a great experience. And then they're going to learn something from it and realize that's not what they want. So when they go apply for other jobs, they not only realize it in the interview, it's not just you being interviewed, it's you also interviewing them, which I think a lot of people don't quite understand. Um, So I I do think that that's, um, I definitely agree with all of what you just said. I think it's really important for people to understand that it's, it's not quite so narrowly defined as it was when the school first opened. Right. Well, and, and it's I, I actually learned that. So this the idea is not original to me. Paul Light is a was a professor at NYU, and I, the very first fall semester I was in this job, I went to a career conference, a career services conference for graduate schools in public administration. And he did a presentation. He had just written a book, The New Public Service. I think that's what it was called. Um, and, and it basically said this, it's this idea. It's also what we see in career development. People are moving in and out of jobs that they trained for, and they're moving into different sectors because the sectors are merging and they're, mm-hmm. there's a lot of fluidity to move in and out of different places. And so we've got to be able to do that in the public sector as well. People are going to come in and they're going to work for a government contractor and then they're going to go back and they're going to work for a federal agency or a state agency or a nonprofit. They're going to move in and out of that all the time. So we've got to be ready for that. Yeah. Does career services do an internship? So as like far to as learn, like what you do to learn what I do, um, there are I could offer one here that you can do a, a internship or graduate assistant in the career center on the main mm-hmm. campus because they're bigger. And so they serve more students. Um, we don't 
because most students want to do an internship during the summer and our students are gone during the summer. So that's really kind of our lead up and prep time for the fall and the spring. Um, if I could get my act together, I could probably have someone who could do an intern during the fall or the spring of the year. I just have to plan yeah, yeah. more yeah. effectively. Not somebody necessarily like within the Bush school, but just yeah. like oh, yeah. people that are going into human resources. Mm -hmm. or, oh yeah. Yeah, plenty of opportunities. This the graduate program in um, I think it's Student Affairs Administration in Higher Ed, the SAHI program. They have practicums that they do here. It's a master's program here at A and M in the College of Education, and they've got students that will do um, practicums at different places. And so they've done them in the Career Center before. Great way to learn about career services. Great. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten into career services had I not happened to just get a job in human resources as like an HR generalist. And so I never would have thought, oh, career services is where to go. I would have thought student activities, student affairs, that's where I've got to go. And career services in higher ed sometimes is in student affairs, but sometimes it's in academic affairs. It just kind of depends on how the university structures it. So. Not trying to pawn our students off on anybody. Yep. I'm just thinking. <laughs> but hey, uh, they well, want to yeah. come learn. Well, We'll send Megan over there for a day. So I send Megan over. Mm -hmm. Happy to yeah. work with her. She starts the program in the fall, her master's program in the fall, right? She's, yeah. Where does she start the summer doing stuff? Um, I think it's the fall. She hasn't gotten her schedule yet. Yeah. Yeah, it was really funny. She and I were just having, so she wanted to learn more about what we do that was part of it. Because so mm -hmm. TJ meets with them monthly and asks them like, you know, what's one goal you want to do for this month? Um, or even long-term for however long that they decide to be here. Um, or not necessarily decide before they graduate, basically. Yes. <laughs> Most of them stay till they graduate. Um, and that was one of the things that Megan had asked is to learn more about um, business. the business and like more of what I do. And we've had probably three or four conversations that have encompassed human resources. Mm -hmm. And from that conversation, that's kind of, I mean, I think that really solidified what she has a level of interest in mm -hmm. um, and knowing that, that it's, you know, not that she couldn't do law school. I'm sure she would have been just as happy doing law yep. school, but she really wanted to try and do human resources. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm always, of course, going to promote that because I definitely enjoy it. I don't like the interviewing process because it's taxing, but, right. you know, the rest of it is nice once you get people on board and you create that culture and that environment. And I think that's, um, I think that's one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, that everyone is so afraid of when the, you know, the undergraduate program comes in right. is, how do you bring all that together? Um, but I also think even though we're small, I mean, it's not like the Bush school hasn't done this before. I mean, they did it with us like five years ago. Right. We had to integrate some, I mean, granted we're five years down the road and things were finally just like yeah. busting down people's doors, giving your candy <laughs> and come hang out with us. Absolutely. Um, but I, I don't think that any of that will change just because of what the culture of the Bush school is and how they try to, you know, make all those connections, as you were saying, right. and um, the culture that is just the college in general. I mean, undergraduates, of course, is a totally different. It's a different, different game. Yeah. But um, well, remind me and I will connect Megan with one of our Bush School former students who went and did the master's degree in HR management. Okay. And now works up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. She was also our graduate assistant for a year in career services. So Perfect. be glad to connect the two of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to share for anyone considering the Bush School, whether it's faculty, staff, or students? Yeah, I think that the thing that, I don't know if it makes us unique, but the thing that I always remind people about or tell people about is 
I don't know that you will find a group of people who care more about other people and the success that you find here. And that's going to be whether you're a faculty member, a staff member, or a student. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want to support you. So if you come here as a faculty member, do I interface with faculty? Yes. Can I influence your success? Probably not, unless I could help you with some of your research somehow, which I've done some of that before. But um, but staff, I can definitely influence staff and and provide you with resources. I've been here for a long time, and, and I would love to do that. And with students, it's the same way. I don't have all the answers, but I know a lot of people, and so we can find the answer for you somehow to help you be successful. Um, you know, I think of some of our students that have gone through the program that, that were not what you would expect to come to Texas, to come to Texas A&M. You know, I mean, I remember in the early years, we had two students. They're still, I adore them, think the world of both of them. I'd stay in touch with one of them more than the other, but there at the time, this was like 2005, 2004, 2005, um, they joked that they were the two Democrats at the Bush School. And so (laughs) that is, for those of you listening, the school is different than it was then, but that was when George W. Bush was in office and people had very strong opinions about him. Mm -hmm. You either loved him or you hated him. And so our recruiter, our director of recruiting would go to events and some people would love coming to her table and other people would look at her and go, are you kidding me? And they turn around and walk away, you know? So <clears throat> we had everything at the time. Well, now we've, we're much bigger. We admit more students. So we're much more diverse and inclusive. Uh, at least I hope we are. And I think we are, but, but that student or that former student is still one of my very favorite ones because <laughs> she took a chance, yeah. but she came here and she also realized that there were people that wanted her to be successful yeah. and she's been successful. She went back to Louisiana and she's the spokesperson for her parish and she's done that. She's lived in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and helped with part of the recovery for that with the city and the state. And and then she moved back to her you know, her part of the state in the Shreveport area and, and is the spokesperson for her parish. And, and she's doing a great job, you know, and we occasionally send her coffee from HEB because she doesn't have <laughs> an HEB. Here. Yeah. And so she's like, can you please get the taste of San Antonio yeah. coffee from HEB and I'll pay you for it. I'm like, yeah, just Venmo me. We'll put it in the mail to you. So yeah, we've definitely you know. done that. We have some friends in um, Oklahoma who like, that's right. the one thing they miss is having the HEB, H-E-B coffee. Yeah. So we've definitely sent coffee their way. We've got friends in Dallas who there was a whole exchange on Facebook and social media about a month ago. H-E-B is coming. H-E-B is coming. So so see, between High Key Cookies and H-E-B, somebody should sponsor your podcast yeah. now because I've made two plugs today. Yeah. So. I'm thinking we could probably swing H-E-B. I mean, I think you, you know. We're local. We are. That's right. <laughs> I know someone that works in their accounting department. I don't know how high up she is anymore. She's my mom's friend, but, you know. Talk to Charles. He's the manager at Tower Point. Nice guy. So. Oh, I love H-E-B. <laughs> Tall young guy. Uh, no, no. Okay. There was one, his name was Charles and he helped me in the candy section when I was looking for those sweet tarts for Timmy. Poor Jimmy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I couldn't find them. The things you do for your I students. Right. And then where did you find it of all places? <sighs> Michael's in Conroe on FM 1314. It's those sweet Conroe. tart chewies, you know, the big ones. Oh, the big, oh, ones. The big ones. Yeah. Everybody yes. in this town is out. I have stopped at every single place that sells candy. Did not stop at Michael's. <laughs> Just so happened to stop at one in Conroe and saw them, and, and I bought it. all they, they had. They have quite <laughs> the um, the collection of candy at they the do. registers. At the Michael's front, does at the yeah. register, which is miserable. Yeah, for parents. <laughs> absolutely. So. My child has to touch everything. Yep. 
Mine too. Well, I have one last question because I always ask this question, but who's your favorite, the Dean or, or Dr. Ashley? Nope. I know. Nope. Don't tell us. <laughs> Not going there. <sighs> no. So, um, they both of them. Yeah, I, I know. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I love, I, I try to emulate something that I learned about the Dean early on is how he speaks about people. When he, when he introduces someone, when he talks about people, he talks about a connection he has with them. And I, that's one thing I really appreciate about him. And then Dr. Ashley, he's my boss. So he's my favorite. <laughs> Hello. You haven't done your evaluation yet? <laughs> nope. No. He's out of the country right now. So hopefully he'll listen he to this is. later on and hear me say that Dr. Frank Ashley is my favorite. <laughs> I will not hedge on that one. Yeah. Well, he's been on our podcast three times, so we have a lot of video ammo we can use against him if necessary. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah, we need to have him back. We do. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I will say that is one thing that I have even heard from our students about the dean is that he remembers who they are. He might not always remember their name. Most yeah. of them he does. Yeah. But he remembers something about the conversation he had. And I'm like, I can't get my husband to remember what day he has to pick up my children. How do you remember all these people? And I know yeah. he's been doing it for a very long time. Right. So I'm sure that they, he's got these tools he he's uses tools. to help him. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always impressed by that. Yeah. My kids, I, I think I'm doing something right because my kids think that I know everybody because we go places and I can usually say hi to someone by name. Yeah. But but even in town, I mean, I've tried just tried to emulate it in restaurants that we go to regularly, you know, to know people by name or to just look at their name tag and call yes. them by name. I had someone at the store the other day and I said, thanks. And I said his name and he was like, oh, you're welcome. Like he was like, yeah. how did he know my name? And then it dawned on him. He <laughs> looked at his tag. name tag and he was like, oh, okay. But it just, that one little thing. Yeah, it's you know. so sad. And they get so shocked that you like use their name and right. they sit there and they're like, wait, do I know you? How do I know you? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's actually funny I was nice that, enough to wear your Yeah. To tag. pay attention to pay them. Attention to yeah. On there. So. I had that ex same experience this week, actually uh, on the Honda dealership. Cause I couldn't remember. I didn't know who my guy was. He never introduced me when he got me out of the car and right. when I was waiting. And by the end of it, um, when I got my printout and signed it and I shook his hand and I left and I said, thank you very much, Peyton. I really appreciate, you know, you helping me out today. And he was like, oh, okay, you're welcome. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I know you never told me your name, but like there, I always tell people use your resources, yep. use them. Yep. They come to your benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. Google has a picture search now. You can take a picture of them. Oh, <laughs> and while we're talking about name tags, when in doubt, always wear it on the right side. Yes. Yes. So we're just going to, there's because all, people still ask that question. Out. That's right. Then because. you've got a straight line of sight to it. Yeah. So That's because right how side. many percent of the population is right-handed? My son always does left because he's left-handed. Yep. I have a lefty too. My oldest is, is mm -hmm. a lefty. So I, I need to find out which side, when I drop him off at Chick-fil-A tonight, I'm going to look and see which side he puts the name tag on. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, because the, most of the population is right-handed. So yeah. that's why it's always, for me, it's always hard to answer that question because if you're left-handed, you're not going right first. Yeah. My ex-husband never goes right first. You he know, always goes left and he's left. My sister always does. Yeah. She's left-handed. Like, she played sports and stuff too. So she was like switch hitter, switch yeah. hitter. And like, well, and that also could be your sister's older, right? So yes. she's been, you know, around right. working that. So she's probably used to people always sticking their right. So she's become, you know, she's adapted to that. That's right. But with young ones. Yeah. I would be curious to know if he does his name look. tag on the left I'll, side or not. I'm going to look when I take it. Well, thank you for joining yes, us thank today. thank you. Sorry, we are taking up on. far more of your time than intended. Good. <laughs> That's okay. I appreciate the cookies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have some more before you leave. I have another cookie. Before you leave. Oh. Um, <laughs> But thank you. Just don't eat the whole bag, even though it's two carbs. No, I'm only going to take one. And then he's going to have to take them with him. Yes. Okay. I will. 
because I just can't. Well, thanks for having me. I yes, appreciate it. Yes. I've never been on a podcast. It was a dream of mine, a bucket list item off of my Check. bucket list now. That's so, well, yeah, I mean. And I, I mean that genuinely, like I've always wanted to be on a podcast. I think they're cool. Fabulous. So thanks for doing it. Well, I'm glad we started one. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on Espresso Shot. Make sure to visit our website, apcc.tamu.edu, where you can subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So you'll never miss an exciting show. While you're at it, if you enjoy the show, leave a review or comment, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Or if you're interested in being a guest, email us at apcc at tamu.edu. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.